Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good morning, church. Happy October. Yay, we made it. We made it to October. Thank you, Jesus. Right? October is an exciting month for the Gonzalez household. There's a lot of fun events going on in our house in October. Uh, Our eldest, my daughter, Sienna, uh, her birthday is in October, and this year she turns 11. 11, yeah. I'm kind of nervous because I haven't really located, you know, a nice tower dungeon that I can kind of lock her in. I'm struggling. Anybody got real estate tips, please? text me. But she's a beauty. She's growing in beauty both on the inside and the outside. I love her, and I am proud to be her daddy. Also in October is my birthday. What, what? No, you're not mistaken. It's not, it's not the, the, the glow of these stage lights shining on my jawline. No, those are white hairs. Those are lots and lots of white hairs in my beard. This month, I turn 40. 40. I came to the Rock of Gainesville when I was 19 years old. For those of you who are not so proficient in math, that's 21 years ago. A long time. A long time. And last but certainly not least, uh, actually just a couple of days ago, I got to celebrate a 15th anniversary with my beautiful wife, Sandra, who's sitting over there on the front row. I am a blessed man. I love that girl. I so enjoy her company. Here's a picture of what 15 years looked like. A few weeks back, I was in the kitchen prepping some shrimp ceviche, right? And she's down the counter fixing something else. And in this quick moment, while I was dicing this red onion, I I went to grab the unused portion to move it out of the way, and it kind of slipped out of my hand, right? And then I just stopped right then and there, and I realized that could have been a lot worse because I had this huge, like, butcher's knife in my hand. I, like, totally envisioned, like, stabbing my eye. And I I stopped, and I said to my wife, and I said, that could have been really bad. And then she's over there, and she's like, Oh, please don't hurt yourself. Okay, it's been a long day. I'm not driving you to the hospital. (laughs) She's the best, right? While I'm cracking up, right, I'm laughing. She leans over. She nuzzles my neck. She's like, I'm just kidding, baby. You know I'd take you to the hospital. (laughs) Such a cutie. I love you. I love you. I'm looking forward to so many more years. You're the best. Well, another exciting thing that's about to go down in October is a new sermon series. Come on, somebody. Disarming Doubt. Yes. It's actually going to be a tag team situation between me, Pastor Ron, and Pastor Jamie. Uh, We've been talking. We met throughout the month of September planning this. We're excited. We feel like it's timely. We feel like it's relevant. We feel like it's going to minister and encourage our church. Uh, Today, I'm going to kick it off with a focus on rest. When in doubt, rest in God. And that's kind of an acronym for a variety of tools that we're gonna dig out 
dig out of the scriptures today. Then Pastor Ron's coming next week, and he's going to encourage us in the benefit of worship as it relates to wrestling with doubt. And then PJ, he's going to come through uh, the third week, and he's going to challenge us on the benefits of obedience through doubt. And then on the last Sunday of October, the three of us will take the stage and we'll have a panel discussion, kind of rehashing the topic and the sermon. So it's going to be an exciting month, so I hope that you lean in. Uh, But before I get any further, let me go ahead and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. We declare that you're a good God and that you are here ready to minister to us, to reveal your presence and your glory to us. So we open up our hearts now, God. We pray that you would keep our minds' attention fixed on the glory of your word and that you would awaken the affection of our heart, God, to the treasures therein. So we love you, we bless you, and we thank you for today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. All right. As I've been thinking about doubt... Uh, This one idea has come to mind, at least the first thing that came to my mind was that we often on occasion speak of doubt from the stage. We say, you know, we have to battle fear, doubt, and unbelief, but that's not so common down there in the context of community. Like, we're not walking up to each other. We're not saying, hey, how's that thing that you told me you were struggling with last time? And we don't respond and we don't say, Ah, you know, it's the same. You know, I'm doubtful that God's going to help. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Like, we don't, we don't do that. Because doubt has this stigma of weakness associated with it. Right? So therefore, it's a little bit taboo. But the truth is, is that we've been dealing with doubt since the dawn of humanity. Let's take a look at Adam and Eve. Right? Eve's all like, oh, The Lord said that we shouldn't eat from that tree because if we do, we'll surely die. And then Satan was all like, you know, well. You won't surely die. You'll be wise. And then Eve, she was all like, well, (laughs) now I don't know what to do. I mean, if it's going to make you wise and it looks good for food, hmm, doubt. And for those of you who are wondering, Adam was no help either. Okay. What about uh, Abraham and Sarah, right? God said, Abraham, do you remember that you're going to have descendants as there are number of stars in the sky? Well, this time next year, you're going to have a baby boy. And then Abraham was all like, (laughs) he said, we're going to have a baby boy. (laughs) Lord God, you do know that I'm a hundred years old, right? And she ain't no spring chicken. She's 90. <laughs> and then God was like, doubt. That's an example of doubt. What about John the Baptist? 
right? John the Baptist, the guy who prepared the way for the Lord, right? That wild wilderness preacher who was so certain and so confident, right? He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I have seen and I testify that he is God's chosen one. Well, fast forward three years later, Jesus' popularity shoots through the roof, and John's popularity decreases. And then he finds himself in a jail, you know, soaking in his discouragement, and he sends a messenger to Jesus asking that messenger to ask Jesus if he's the one, if he's the coming Messiah that we've been looking for. John the Baptist doubted. One more. What about Peter? Peter, like a disciple in the inner circle of disciples, the bold one, right? The one that who was commended for receiving the revelation from God the Father that indeed Jesus was God the Son, right? He was so, he, he, he couldn't believe what was happening near the end of Jesus' life, right? And so full of fear and uncertainty, he denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three separate times. Jesus, excuse me, Peter doubted. Now, what does this say to us? It says that it's okay to wrestle with doubts. It's okay. It's okay, church. You know why? Because doubt in and of itself is not going to cancel out the purpose of God in your life. It didn't cancel it out for any of these guys. We're in good company, right? So here's one thing that I want you guys to, to, to focus in on. By God's grace and mercy, they persevered. They persevered. And this month, I hope that you discover that you can persevere through your doubts too. So disarming doubt. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus our attention on this one passage of scripture, Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, verse 24, is where we get the classic doubt expression recorded in the scriptures. How many of you know what that is? I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Right now, that expression comes from a dad who has a son who's got a lot of issues, and this dad is doubting, okay? But the key takeaway that I want us to grab a hold of in Mark chapter 9 is that Jesus is present. Jesus is right there. He's right there with the dad, right? This dad's doubt doesn't run Jesus off. Do you hear that? His doubt doesn't run Jesus away. Instead, Jesus enters this moment and he ministers life and faith. And that's really important to know because doubt can be purposeful in strengthening our faith. Do you guys see that? Here in James chapter 1, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Hmm. Meeting trials are a joyful thing, said no one ever. 
But why? Why is the encouragement to count it all joy? Because the testing of your faith, the pounding out of doubts, produces steadfastness. Steadfastness is this resolute unwavering, right? And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We're being perfected. These doubts are being worked out of us to strengthen and shore up our faith. See, I want you guys to know that faith is not the absence of doubts. Instead, faith is the means by which we overcome doubts. We're going to see that doubt has this directional quality to it. Doubt is either going to take you down the road to unbelief, or it's going to take you to greater faith in Jesus. So what's terribly sad is that there's so many people who find themselves at these doubt-filled dead ends of unbelief, not knowing that if they just would have pushed past those doubts, they would find themselves in their God-given destiny. So let's read the story of the dad who has a son who is both mute and seized with demonic possession. Now, I'll say this. I want you to feel this story from the dad's perspective, okay? Because Jesus felt him too. So let's read this together. Mark 9, beginning in verse 14 through 27. And when they, they being Jesus and a handful of his disciples who were just up on a mountain and Jesus transfigured himself before them and hung out with Moses and Elijah, he was like glowing white, he did like that God thing, right? So they're coming back to reunite with the rest of the disciples. And so when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, him being Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And when they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. 
And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Here's what I want you to grasp. When in doubt, rest in God. As we tackle doubt today, when in God, rest in God. And now rest is an acronym for these four words that we're going to see clearly in this passage. Recognize, endure, speak, and trust. So first one, recognize. In verse 17, the dad is the one that first cries out from the crowd. And he says, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Now you have to acknowledge that this dad is using a title of authority for Jesus, right? He could have been like Jesus or whatever other name, but he designated or called him by an elevated name, a, a recognition of a title. He said, teacher, or in the Hebrew it would have been rabbi, I've brought to you my son. You see, that says something about the dad. That says something about his posture as he approached Jesus. So here's our point. How we choose to recognize Jesus will determine how we approach Jesus. I'll say that again. How we choose to recognize Jesus will determine how we approach Jesus. So let me ask you, church, in times of conflict, or distress. How are you approaching Jesus? Is he just one of the many options that you consult? Does he carry any authority in your life whereby you would go low before him and you would say, teacher, rabbi, Lord, I have brought you my problem. I have brought you my concern. I've brought you my issue. Does he carry that level of authority in your life? You see, recognizing Jesus as the authority figure in your life is the key to dismantling doubts in your life. It has to begin there. It has to begin there. Some of you are not even approaching Jesus, much less recognizing his authority in your life. You're too busy. You're too busy being blown by every wind of doctrine. Fox News. CNN. Facebook. Twitter. TikTok. You guys are living in this storm of influence when you're not recognizing there's one who can calm the storm. Recognize the authority of Jesus. Some of you are intimidated, unlike this dad. Some of you are intimidated by the crowd. Oh, it's too many people. It's going uh, it, it, uh, to take too much time to get all the way up there. Uh, I'm tired. I'm fatigued. You know what? It is what it is. I've been dealing with my son. I've been dealing with my thing for so long. It's just what it is. 
and you allow, you recognize those lies as truth, which keep you from recognizing the actual truth, which is Jesus has already come to you. Jesus has already come to you. If you would simply turn and recognize, you would see that he's right there. Let's not believe these lies. Point number two, endure. In verse 18, okay, I want to I I say that this dad has endured a lot. This dad has endured a lot. In verse 18, it says, and whenever, whenever, that implies more than once. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid. I mean, think, think of the days. Think of the nights. Think of the agony, the helplessness, the utter despair that this dad had to face in dealing with his son. Every, every parent in here would agree that when one of your children are suffering or they're in great pain, it's not a good day. Let's just call it what it is. It's a bad day. And this dad had to deal with his son on multiple occasions. And so Jesus asks for the boy to come. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. As if this dad hadn't endured enough already. Right? Every episode, every dangerous situation, all the suffering, all the exploration of options, and there's no help, and there's no answers. And then all of a sudden, when they bring the boy to Jesus, the demon strikes him again. Feel what that dad must have felt. Can you imagine the pain? There's a crowd now. The embarrassment? No, 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 not now. Not now. Jesus asked him, How long has this been happening to him? What? Jesus now? Now the the boy's on the floor, he's convulsing, he's foaming at the mouth. You want his medical history now? How many of you know that Jesus knew the answer to that question? So why did he ask it? I believe that in this moment, he allowed the dad to relive all of his memories with his boy. In a glimpse, he relived all the pain, all the suffering, all the torment, 
All those moments where he had to clutch his boy tightly in his arm time and time again to keep him from swallowing his own tongue or banging his head against something. Think about that. The dad saw it all again. And Jesus did too. And Jesus wanted him and everyone there to sense the greatness of that history because he wanted everybody to know that he was greater. See that? Jesus is greater. Jesus was preparing to take this dad from the valley of doubt up to the summit of Jesus' glorious power. He was taking them there, all to solidify his faith. Why? Because the dad was there. The dad was there. He endured. He fought. He got to Jesus. He suffered well. All those years, he suffered well. And so here's our point. How we long for Jesus will determine how well we suffer. Not a lot of claps on that. How we long for Jesus will determine how well we suffer. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, doubts, our weights and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus longing for Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross come on somebody how many of you know he, he endured too he can relate to your suffering He's not this far gone, absentee God who doesn't know what you're going through. He endured, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Doubts are weights. If we are to endure this race of faith, we need to lay aside these weights of doubts because if we don't, they will anchor us in unbelief. So I encourage you, church, let's choose to endure. Point number three, speak. Now, this may seem a little bit obvious, but I don't want us to overlook and miss out on its significance. Now, this dad has been talking to Jesus, but I want to highlight something that he says in verse 22. He's explaining to Jesus, and it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Help us. Not help my boy. Please help my son. No, no. Help us. And what I want you to see there is that this dad, his words are full of pain. He's tired, but he spoke. And he spoke Honestly, he was invested in this. He spoke honestly. 
He cried out for help, not only for his son, but also for himself. So church, hear me. Speak out your troubles. Speak out your concerns. Speak out your issues to the Lord and do so honestly. He's listening. He's listening. Look at here at our point. How honest we choose to be will determine how effective our prayers will actually be. We have to be honest with God. Not the you that, you know, your friends think you are. Not the you that your boss thinks you are. Not the you that your neighbors or your coworkers or your pastors. Not that you. The real you. Son of God. Daughter of God. God wants to speak to the real you. Philippians chapter 4 says it this way. Don't worry about anything. Forget those doubts. Instead, come talk to me about everything. Come talk to me about everything. I love you. I want to hear what's on your heart, what's on your mind. Come talk to me about everything. Tell me what you need. Be honest with me. And along the way, thank him. Thank him for all he's done. Because you know God has done a lot for you. Amen. All right, last point. Trust. Trust. Before we get to this life-changing moment that's about to go down in Mark chapter 9, we're going to focus on trust. The dad just prayed this honest prayer, if you can help us, right? Very honest. Now, Jesus meets him at this critical fork in the road. Remember I said earlier that doubt is directional, right? One way leads you to greater faith in Jesus, and one way leads you to unbelief. Now, Jesus is standing at the fork in the road that this dad's doubt has created with the word, if you can, right? Jesus is standing at that fork, and he's waving. He's waving. Verse 23, and Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. How many of you are thankful that we serve a God like that? This way. As a matter of fact, if you go this way, I'll go with you. Just trust me. All things are possible for one who believes. And now, Jesus made it clear. Down this one path with him, all kinds of possibilities, right? But the dad had to choose who to trust. You have to keep in mind that it's a complete option up, up to this point that the dad could have gone the other way. He could have walked away. He could have said, forget it. He could have said, you know what? I believe no one can help. The spiritual leaders in the synagogue, they haven't helped me, right? These disciples of Jesus, they didn't help me. The church hasn't helped me. Why is this guy gonna be different? I don't know who he is. He doesn't even have credentials. Where's his degree? What seminary school did he go to? I, this is not going to work. You know what? I'm going to pack up my stuff, grab my son, and go. He could have trusted that option. But 
Jesus said, if you can, anything is possible for one who believes. Jesus was at that fork, man, like a street sign holder. Now, a quick side note. Notice that Jesus said, all things are possible and not all things are guaranteed. That's critical. All things are possible. Not all things are guaranteed. You have to know that Jesus is not a piñata, that you can beat with your fancy faith stick to get whatever you want whenever you want. That is not biblical. Instead, God is sovereign over all things. He is executing his perfect will to showcase his perfect glory. Whether or not we want to affix our stamp of approval on it, and he still remains perfectly good and perfectly worthy of our love. That's the God we serve. So back to this dad. He's at that crossroad of doubt and could have plummeted into further doubt and ultimately unbelief. But now being stirred by Jesus' hopeful words, he moves to greater faith by extending trust to Jesus' words. He says famously in verse 24, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. In other words, here's my last little bit of precious faith. It's got a bunch of holes in it called doubt. I'm going to trust you with it, Jesus. I could have gone the other way, but I'm inviting you, Jesus, into my doubt and surrendering my trust to you. Here's our takeaway. How surrendered before Jesus we are will determine the significance of our trust in him. How surrendered before Jesus are you? What other thing are you clinging to? This is how effective this dad's small amount of faith coupled with doubt chosen to be surrendered before Jesus. This is how effective it was for him. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirits, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse so that most of them thought, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. He arose. Don't discount surrendering your faith, even if it's just a little bit of faith. This is all I got left. Don't discount trusting Jesus with it. Because this dad did. And he received just as much as the son did that day. 
He received just as much as his son did that day. So if you're struggling with doubt, just know that your doubt doesn't offend God. This dad's doubt didn't offend Jesus. We know that because he healed his son. See, you can wrestle with doubt, it's okay. You shouldn't feel guilty or feel shameful because you do. But just don't hold on to them too long. Don't hold on to them too long. Don't let them ultimately lead you to assign your loyalty elsewhere. Instead, do like this dad did. Recognize the authority of Jesus. Endure well and never quit by God's grace and mercy. Amen? And then speak out your struggle, your concern, your thoughts. Do so with unfiltered honesty. And then ultimately, trust Jesus. Trust Jesus, even if it's with the remnants of your faith. Believe in Jesus. See, Jesus honors that kind of fight. He honors that kind of fight. He'll enter that kind of fight, and he'll show himself mighty on your behalf. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the power and the glory and the beauty in your word. Your word ministers life to us. It equips us to deal with the circumstances of life. You are ever faithful and ever present. You are our present help in time of need. We honor you for ministering to us today. With every head down, with every head down, no one looking around. If you are struggling with doubt in a particular area of your life, and you haven't fully surrendered it before Jesus, this is your moment to recognize him, to say that I have endured by your grace. I'm speaking out my troubles to you, Lord, by trusting you with my doubts. If that's you, I just wanna pray over you. Raise your hand if that applies to you. If there's a doubt in your life that you wanna surrender before Jesus, Yes, amen. Hands all over this auditorium. It's okay. It's not shameful. You shouldn't feel guilty that you don't have it all together. We go to Jesus. Father, in your holy name, with hands raised all across this auditorium, even those who are watching online. Father, we come in accordance to your word. We don't know what's next. There's a lot of uncertainty, but we know that we can place our confidence and our trust in you. So, Father, corporately as a people, we lay these doubts and these concerns before you. It's the safest place we know. We love you, and we're so grateful that you're going to minister life to us according to your will. Thank you, God, for meeting us right where we are. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Bless you, church. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.